Beyond politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It's the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. This podcast from Michael Benner's Wisdom of the Soul class features weekly lessons in metaphysics, mysticism, and esoteric philosophy. Those who attend live and free of charge on Zoom may also participate in group meditation and Q&A. Register for our newsletter at michaelbenner.com. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hey, good morning, and welcome to the Wisdom of the Soul. I'm Michael Benner, and uh, absolutely pleased to be with you again this Sunday for today's episode, which is going to be about defensiveness. And I think that uh, you're going to find this to be really interesting and also valuable in your life. It's a topic that uh, is not commonly discussed, and yet. It's a really destructive behavior. A lot of conflict in our lives can be avoided if we can learn to be, or as we learn to be, non-defensive. But a lot of people, it just never occurs to them. It's like, well, they attacked me. They insulted me. They, They were nasty. What am I supposed to do? Take it? Just sit there and suffer the abuse? I've got to... Stand up for myself. I've got to put them in their place. i got to set them straight. Well, this comes out of a kind of a war model. And uh, we have talked quite a bit in the past about the fight-or-flight response, and that's what's getting triggered. And that brings about uh, even more anxiety, starts that vicious circle, that vicious cycle of anxiety and stress and fear really triggering even more stress and anxiety. So we have an alternative to being defensive, and it's not being offensive. (laughs) There is such a thing as non-defensiveness, and it's an exceedingly powerful form of communication. If you want to persuade people Confronting them and telling them they're wrong is probably not the best strategy. So that's our topic for the day today. The extraordinary power of non-defensive communication. We'll have fun with this topic. I appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. I want to remind you that anytime you search Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, You can find all kinds of wonderful things from this class on YouTube in its entirety as a video. The audio podcast is edited. We remove the meditation and the Q&A to streamline it a bit. But that's available every week wherever you get your audio podcasts. And I also want to remind you, and I probably don't mention this often enough, Though I'm retired, I'm still doing private one-on-one. A couple of times a week, I do sessions, two, three times. I think that's about my limit, maybe three sessions a week. But the first one's free, sort of like your heroin dealer, right? First one's free. And it's a significant commitment to do 
one-on-one private intensives. And so I figure you've got a right to find out what you're in for. And so all you have to do is go to michaelbenner.com and you'll see a big red circle. And you just click on that. It says free intro. That'll take you to my um, online calendar. And you can schedule from what's available a time that works for you. And then you get an email to confirm it and instructions on how to reach me at that time. And we'll do a a phone call. If you'd like to do Zoom at that time, we can set up a quick Zoom room as well. It's up to you. But that's available. And then we'll talk more about what you think you could get for me. And I'll tell you what I think I might be able to do for you. Some people just come once. Some people stay for months and months and months. It's all up to you. But I... I I do offer that work, that private one-on-one work. Frankly, I find it very gratifying. That's where big change really happens. I call it the FLY program. F-L-Y, feeling like yourself. More about that if you just go to michaelbenner.com and poke around. Have I mentioned there's a reading list as well? If you go to michaelbenner.com and click on the audio podcast button, you'll go to a page that includes not just the streaming podcast, the link to YouTube and to other podcast players, but in the banner on the top, a reading list. Pretty cool that I've put together over the years. You can check that out. It's really divided into two parts, personal development and then a second column on spiritual development. MichaelBenner.com. All right, let's do our opening meditation. So get comfortable in your chair, sit up, feet flat on the floor, unless you're sitting in a yoga cross-legged position. And three, eyes open, wide awake, back in the room. Eyes open now, feeling better than before. Back in the room, wide awake, feeling fine, better and better. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that. Communication is a really complex art form. There's a lot to it, which makes it difficult to generalize. But I guess the two parts to our topic today, dropping defensiveness, or one way of bifurcating this is to consider that I could learn to be less defensive. And I could also learn, on the other hand, not to trigger defensiveness in other people. Because then we're going to stimulate the fight-or-flight response, anxiety rises, and we lose access to the whole (laughs) frontal lobe and neocortex, the higher brain functions, as I'm sure you've noticed in your life, are just lost when the uh, limbic brain is triggered. This deeply emotional area of the brain that contains 
the amygdala, the, the fight or flight mechanism, the little cluster of neurons that is responsible for, oh no, bring on the adrenaline, bring on the cortisol, and all that goes with preparing you to survive danger. Well, a discussion with your spouse or your partner, with your parents, your kids, your co-workers, you're not in real danger, but the brain doesn't know that. To the brain, this person that you love dearly and sleep with every night becomes the enemy. They're a monster. They're going to devour you. And you have to defend yourself against that monster and end up saying things. The most hurtful things to the people you care. I mean, you'd never talk to a stranger that way. But we often end up saying the meanest, nastiest, most cruel things to the people that we love the most. Because by virtue of the fact that we love them, we are vulnerable. And they can hurt us because of that vulnerability more easily and more deeply than others that we don't care so much about. One of the reasons we know love is not a feeling, because it, bring, it brings up so many feelings. From the sweet affinity of affection and tenderness, and a willingness to sacrifice and do whatever we can for the person, to anger and hatred and animosity. and It's all brain chemistry, don't you see? And as we become aware of this, we can subvert it. We can rise above our animal nature, our warring instincts. And I think it's fascinating, as much as we talk about gender fluidity now, just how differently men handle their anger and women handle their anger. So I want to talk a little bit here about passive-aggressive, offensive and defensive behavior in a passive-aggressive way. Because defensiveness and hostility, attacking and counterattacking, doesn't always have to take the form of physical violence, the way a man may be more likely to express himself. Passive-aggressive looks like arms folded, I'm fine. And then they look off into the distance. No, I'm fine. That's, that's, yeah, everything's cool. And you're thinking, well, no, (laughs) obviously everything is not fine. And so you might say, well, you don't look fine to me. And isn't that going to trigger defensiveness in the other person? Look, I told you I'm fine. What if you said, like, well, I'm hearing you say, I mean, here's an alternative approach. Instead of, well, you don't look fine to me, you could say, well, I'm hearing you say that you're fine, but my concern is that your body language and your behavior suggests there's something else going on that I guess you don't want to talk about. And if you don't, I mean, that's your right. But if you want me to pull it out of you, I'm a little hesitant to do that. I don't want to really struggle with you or fight or 
have to be in a position of pulling it out of you. I'd rather we just discuss it. I'm your friend. I'm your partner. You know, I'm your spouse and family member, whatever. I'd like to talk to you about it if you're open to it. Active listening is a way of referring to sharing your process with the other person and playing back what you've heard them say. So I hear you saying that you're fine, but here's the second part. There's a lot of evidence here that you're really not. I mean, isn't that softer and gentler and more compassionate than, well, you don't look fine to me? You hear how that would just tend to make things worse? So I hear you saying you're fine, but there's a lot of evidence here that you're really not. And if you don't want to talk about it, well, okay. But if what you want is for me to drag it out of you, I'd rather not have to play that role. Could you just share with me a little bit of what's going on? I think we could probably talk it out. There's really four parts to this. Whether you're initiating a conversation where there's conflict or responding to a passive-aggressive statement like, I'm fine, it's okay, don't worry about me, (laughs) arms folded, looking off to the distance. I said I'm fine, right? Or I don't want to talk about it. Okay, fine, you don't want to talk about it. The four steps, if I can delineate this here to play back what you've heard secondly to express the conflict you say you're fine but in fact i can see that something is bothering you something's upsetting you third any sense of the role that you would like to play why you care why it matters to you and then fourth offering a suggestion or a conclusion or something that you could do to break the stalemate here and this this tug of war, this conflict. Then you have to, of course, ask yourself, is this uh, something that I even want to pursue? Often it is best to walk away and wait for another time. You can decide it's none of your business and let it go. There's many alternatives to it, but the idea here is to discuss non-defensive alternatives to be influential, to be powerful. Those of you who are attracted to a class like this want to have a positive change in the world. You want to influence the world. It is a form of control, though the word control is a little harsh, a little overstated, but to persuade or to influence others or just to help people who are having a tough time, to offer a suggestion without giving advice is all a matter of degree. And to express that you understand how somebody feels. So I want to offer at this point a relationship management tool that I think is extraordinary. And I learned this in a sales meeting as a young man. And when I first heard it, it just blew me away because 
well, it was it was new. <laughs> Nobody had ever taught me to approach communication in this way. And I was a communication major, <laughs> college of communication, journalism, radio, TV broadcasting. But I'm talking here, obviously, more about interpersonal communication rather than mass media. And I remember the technique with a simple, very alliterative tool called, or I say tool, a label that is very alliterative called Feel Felt Found. Feel Felt Found is a very clever sales technique. But even if you're not a salesperson, we're all selling something, right? We're selling ourselves. Or as I said, we just want to influence or persuade. Well, a standard approach that most people use most of the time is to overcome the objection, to counterpunch. No, you're wrong. Here's my thought. Here's my feeling. Here's my belief. And then since I'm obviously right, uh, I know I'm right. I can give you a lot of evidence that I'm right. And you see it differently, and we have some conflict, so you're obviously wrong. That's not the best way to persuade somebody that there's merit in your position by telling them or even implying that they're wrong. So what can we do? Let's say you go to buy a car, and you look at a couple of cars, uh, go to a couple of different uh, dealers, and you're shopping for this type of automobile. And uh, you say, well, I like this car. I like it a lot. It uh, pretty much hits every uh, checkbox on my list here. But there's one or two things that concern me about this car. And you express that. Maybe it, you know, it doesn't really get very much mileage. Or this car's a little big. I don't know if I can really park it easily. What's the salesperson going to do? They're going to overcome the objection and say, oh, no, that's, that's actually very good mileage. And most of your time, you're going to be on the freeway, so you'll get better mileage than stop-and-go traffic. And this mileage on the sticker, that includes a lot of stop-and-go traffic, and you're going to be whatever, you know, whatever. Oh, no, this car is easy to park. Want to take it for a drive? Take it for a test drive. What if, <laughs> what if the salesperson said, feel, felt, found? I know how you feel. Imagine. I know how you feel. What, what about an argument with your spouse or your partner or your kids or your parents or somebody who works for you? or for whom you work, or a co-worker. What if the first thing out of your mouth was, I get it, I know how you feel. Maybe you could even play it back. Sounds to me like you feel, I mean, you say you're fine, but it appears to me that you really don't feel fine. I'd like to know what's going on for you. But I feel, I know how you feel. Feel felt found. I've felt that way myself. 
That's the first two. Feel, felt, found. I know how you feel. I felt that way myself. Empathy, sympathy, compassion, high quality of understanding. Wow, there's no reason for me to be defensive. This person is not attacking me or countering my argument or conflicting in any way. They know how I feel. They gave me a little feedback, so I know they know how I feel. And they're admitting that they felt that way themselves. And then the third aspect, the influencer saying, I know how you feel. I felt that way myself. Here's what I found. Pow. Here's what I found. When I learned this as a sales technique, I took it to the radio. Or as a talk show host, <laughs> I was used to arguing with people. Uh, in the 80s, really the only people I ever argued with and, and became vehement, I'll say it that way, were people that promoted hatred, war, or some sort of violence or bigotry. And um, that would get my hackles up. But it was a show, so I let it go to a certain extent because I knew people were reaching out to turn the radio up. They really like a little bit of that. But then you destroy yourself in the long run if you go too far with that. You just risk exposing yourself as a total jerk and someone who's insensitive. And what if your audience thinks, well, the other guy's actually got a pretty good point, Benner. You're being a real, real jerk here by not acknowledging the merit. So that's what I began to do I, on the radio as a talk show host doing controversial issues. If, uh, Things got too heated or they approached being too argumentative, more emotion than real clear thought. I'd say, well, I know how you feel. God, that's powerful. I mean, it's just, I know how you feel. It's just five words. Just five words. It can totally change the atmosphere on how about, I understand how you feel. Maybe that's even better than I know how you feel. I understand how you feel. I felt that way myself. Or I'll say in a talk show situation, I might say, you know, one thing we do agree on is, and I'd throw them a, a rhetorical bone. And they'd turn into Sally Fields. Oh, he likes me. He likes me. He really, really likes me. I'm going to win this argument. And they drop their defensiveness. And then either the situation would be resolved, or if I thought I needed to make an example out of them because it was a show, I would then eviscerate them after, <laughs> after their guard was down and set them straight on war, racism, sexism, whatever. Hatred, violence, those were, those were my triggers.
I know how you feel. I'll tell you another story along these lines. As some of you know, I worked for three years uh, as a contract employee, independent contractor for the uh, Orange County, California Sheriff's Academy. I was an instructor at the Sheriff's Academy. And I did a self-awareness training called Internal Vigilance that I wrote and presented for a little over three years. And everybody went through this class, not just the cadets in the academy, but the veterans on the force, the sergeants. And I think it went up through sergeant. Lieutenants and higher did not do the class. They had their own executive retreats, administrator retreats and such. But uh, sergeants on down, whether they were veterans or just out of the academy, in the jail, street patrol. We even had uh, people from the forensics lab, uh, pretty much anybody who interfaced with the public took this up war in this training. And I remember, I'll always remember this one, <laughs> this one particular day, uh, I'm explaining relationship management and talking about the value of non-defensive communication because, you know, here's a cop, a sheriff's deputy, the embodiment of law enforcement and authority dealing with a criminal, if it's in a jail setting or in the public, somebody who's committed perhaps a minor violation all the way up through a violent crime, some felony. That's part of what was so interesting about working with law enforcement is the broad variety of situations these women and men find themselves in. And I'm talking about the power of simply saying to somebody, I understand how you feel. I felt that way myself. But here's what we're going to have to do. You've got warrants, so you got to go downtown. Uh, if you turn around, put your hands behind your back. And this made these officers real uncomfortable, most of them anyway. Some heard clearly what I was saying. And we're already in the field behaving in a very courteous and, and sympathetic way. They, they found they could get... Um, Better results with honey than vinegar, right? Is that how the saying goes? <laughs> but as I explain this, this young cadet in the back row, it's always interesting to encounter the people that sit in the back row, right? They're always the most skeptical anyway. And he was in the back row in the far corner. He couldn't, he was barely in the room, right? And this is maybe three hours into a day. It's a day-long class. It was an eight-hour class. And he raised his hand, and everything in the academy is, sir, yes, sir, sir, no, sir. And he raised his hand, and I acknowledged him, and he said, sir, I have no desire to tell some inmate in this jail that I understand how he feels. 
I want them to do what I tell them to do because I tell them to do it. And I let that silence ride for about two long seconds and said quietly and slowly, Sir, I understand how you feel. And the whole room cracked up. Everybody, it was hilarious. Everybody cracked up. And what I loved about it was it was not uh, derisive or derisive laughter. Nobody was mocking him or making fun of him. It was just the power of acknowledging to somebody that you understand them became so self-evident in that moment. And uh, I even had to crack up because I, it was just one of those uh, situations where the world stops and you almost hear trumpets going, ta-da, right? One of those great moments. I understand how you feel. I can tell you about a time that I felt pretty much the same way you feel. If you'd like, we can get into that later. But I, I really do understand you. Here's what I found. Man, isn't that so much more elegant than being defensive or putting someone else on the defensive, attacking and counterattacking? And as I said in the meditation, the bigger question here, when you feel defensive, like you have to defend yourself from some insult or an attack, ask yourself, who am I defending? Who is Michael Benner that he needs to defend himself? Why am I so insecure? that I can't take a little criticism or a rebuff or immediately go to compassion for the person who is only trying to hurt me because they hurt and they want me to know how they hurt. You see, this is what happens when you meditate regularly, when you come to classes like this. And, and read books about self-development, you become more aware. You see the game. You refuse to take the bait. You just don't buy into it. I love that Eleanor Roosevelt quote, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. No one can make you feel hurt in any way without your buy-in, without your permission, don't you see? Somebody says you're an idiot, you're a moron. You don't have two brain cells to rub together. I feel the animal impulse to say, what are you talking about? That's a horrible thing to say to me. I'm actually very smart. I'm a very stable genius. <laughs> you're the stupid one. I'm not stupid, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. Well, you started it. We've had enough of this, right? We're not in grade school anymore. Maybe we can do a whole lot better. They insulted me because they're hurting. Have some compassion for their suffering. Can you be that self-aware? Yeah, of course you can. Then that totally impacts the way you respond. 
I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry. I don't feel stupid, but you really don't have to defend anything. You don't have to respond in any way. You don't have to say, oh, you must be having a bad day. Or even risk being seen as superior, you know, by saying something like, well, you're just, I mean, you don't play all your cards face up. You don't call them out by saying, well, you're just saying that because you're hurting. No, Knowing that is enough, then let it go. Well, I guess this isn't a good time to talk. I'm going to go make some tea. I'll talk to you later about this. Hope you feel better. You see, just don't be so combative. This is the power of non-defensive communication. There's an alternative between being the attacker or the defender and the defender then counterattacks, so the attacker now has to attack your counterattack, which is a defense. I mean, there's really not much difference, right? Defensiveness is a counterattack, but you just don't have to play the war game at all. You know, I, I hear that this is how you feel, that there's a conflict here. Want to talk about it? I don't want to drag it out of you here. I don't want to argue about it, but I'd like to hear what I have to say. I'd like to know more about how you feel. There's lots of different ways of of handling it once we're aware. See, that's the point, is to use meditation to expand your awareness, so-called higher consciousness, so that you can see this stuff coming a mile away and understand what's going on and find better alternatives. Feel felt found. Try it out. Understand how you feel. I know how you feel. And play it back. If I hear you, you feel this way and this way. Now you understand, and they know you understand. I felt that way before. There was a time, I, you know, I know exactly. I'm pretty sure I know what you, what's going on for you. Here's what I found. Maybe it doesn't apply to you, but I'll tell you what I found in that situation. I'll tell you what I learned. Right? Here's what we need to do. If you're a parent talking to a kid or a boss, I understand how you feel. You're angry. Uh, I've been in that same situation. In fact, if I was you right now, I'd probably feel the same way. There's another variation. But here's what we're going to have to do, right? Because you're the boss, because you're the parent. Here's what we're going to have to do. But you don't open with, I'm your father, I'm your mother, and, and we're going to do it because I say so, that authority stuff. How about listening? You know, I've had so many parents say to me in formal sessions, I don't know what's wrong with this kid. I talk and talk and talk and talk, and nothing changes. It's like they just don't listen to me, or they don't care. 
And I say, okay, I hear that you talk to them. That's good. It's better than not talking to them. Uh, what, uh, what do they say when you listen to them? And I often get a, a, a blank expression like it had never occurred to the parent that they could listen. I listen and listen and listen and nothing ever changes. I don't think I don't think I've ever heard that in 40 years of doing this personal development work. I listen and listen and listen and nothing ever changes. So listen to the kid. Listen to your partner. Listen to them. Play it back so they feel heard and understood. It's that simple. It's really that simple. <laughs> <laughs>